Our reading today is from Mark's Gospel, and right at the very beginning, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. In the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending a messenger to you who will prepare the way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen, and may God bless to us this reading of his holy word. Now, who's heard of Professor Van Tam? Yeah, we all have. Do you like him? Most folk that I've spoken uh, to uh, like him, and particularly they like his metaphors. You, you'll know the metaphors that he is using. For, for weeks now, as he comes on the television, uh, whether it's BBC or Sky, uh, standing alongside the Prime Minister, um, giving his press conference, and uh, the, the politicians will refer to the professor and ask him to say a word. And he's always got something quite interesting to say. So you know the, the one about the football match. He's been using that one for weeks. It's, uh, what was it he says? That the home team have had a thumping. And we're into the second half. And uh, they're winning. But the home team equalise. We get an equaliser. But we're not over the line yet. It's going to penalties. But the home team, he said, scores the first penalty. It's not the victory, but it's the feeling that we can beat the goalie. We could beat this. So that's uh, a good football one. That's kept us going. And then he's had the, the one about an aeroplane um, coming into land and, and looking for a, a, a nice uh, clean path. And John the Baptist uh, imagery today comes to mind, prepare the way. A nice straight runway, and we've got to keep it clear so that that plane carrying the, the, the vaccinations, symbolically, metaphorically, can land and uh, lead us to better times. And then, of course, there's the one about the train. And uh, I had to get my, I don't know if you've heard this one about the train, it takes a wee bit of get, getting uh, into his, his mindset about what he was meaning about the train. It's not a train full of vaccinations that's going to kind of come from Folkestone all the way up the country and deposit the vaccinations in all the hospitals. He's talking metaphorically, of course, uh, but he, he, he's saying uh, that, that we can all get on board this train and this train will lead us to better times. So that's the, the metaphors of the professor. What's your metaphor for life? What are the metaphors 
that would describe your life. Maybe it's the, the old forest Gump one uh, made famous said uh, that life is a, a box of chocolates. You, you don't know what you're going to get until you, you open one. Or maybe it's the, the metaphor about an elevator. Sometimes it feels like in life we're trapped in an elevator. We're always going up and down, but we're not the ones pushing the button. Lots of different metaphors that can describe life. It, and it, it, it's, it's good to sometimes think outside the box. Is that a metaphor or is that a cliche? I don't know. Um, you know, just to kind of widen our perspective of what's happening to us by tapping in to, to a metaphor that maybe describes what we're feeling and how we are doing. Thinking about the Bible, the Bible contains so many metaphors. In fact, thinking about it, we could say the Bible is one big metaphor. Now, that in no way is suggesting that it's all fable, that it's not true and there's no truths in it, but I'm just meaning that the metaphor of the Bible is, take this as an example today, about the whole idea of preparing the straight road you know, when you think about it, right from the off, right from the oldest sections of Genesis, that's what we have. We have this story of God giving us the world and giving us life and making life wonderful and giving human beings, his, his loved creatures, so much potential and possibility for a wonderful life, wonderful experiences, wonderful relationship with him, blessing. And yet humanity seemed to go off course off the straight path, finding itself in the, the rocky paths, the twisty paths, the, the uphill paths, the gravelly sections where it's sometimes so difficult to, to, to travel on the path that God set before us. And then the prophets came along and, and the, the great leaders of the Old Testament, the, the prophet's story, all, all saying that Come on, God is going to act. God is going to make the path straight again for us to find and to travel along. And then the New Testament, the forerunner of Jesus himself, John the Baptist, who would come with his camel hair, his leather belt round his waist, eating locusts and wild honey, proclaiming that one is going to come after him who is much stronger. And the message is prepare the way of the Lord. Make a path straight. The Bible has this metaphor of how God interacts with creation, interacts with humanity, interacts with you and I. Make the path straight. Now, Advent, as we began with last week, as we know, is a time of waiting, but it's not a time for sitting silently with folded arms, letting God get on with the work alone, establish his realm without any kind of human help. Advent is an active waiting. We join with God in that movement to make a path straighter. 
John the Baptist here, as the forerunner to Jesus, calls on us to repent of our complicity with what has gone wrong in the world, with the injustices that are in the world. And we are called not to be idle. We, God's people, are called to be part of this process of making the paths straighter in the world. In ancient Judaism, when they used the term repentance, it was a much wider and broader theme than just that idea of casting aside a personal sin, saying sorry and and making good. The whole sense of Jewish repentance is broad, it, it is wide. It is about leading to action, to put right all that is wrong in the world, to join in, to join up with the train, to get on the train at the platform that is God's action of cleaning the world. I want you to think about the road that we, humanity, are travelling on in our world. For so many, the path is difficult. It's not straight. It's torturous. It's uphill. It's a trudge. It's never easy. All the twists and turns just seem to continue to lead people astray, lead people away from where their heart's desire is for where they would like to be, love to be, what they would love to experience and feel in life. And yet every twist and turn seems to take them further away from that place of peace, contentment, and blessing. We too often sit by and watch what we see on television from the different places around the world and say, oh, rather them than us, oh, but by the grace of God. And yet, maybe what God is asking us to have the sense of is that we are called upon to be part of his momentum in changing the circumstances of all people in the world. Advent comes with a promise that we have the possibility of changing the world. Not high, unattainable desire, but the metaphor of the Bible, the the story of the Bible that we have committed to and follow and say that we believe in and say that we want to be part of, tells us that things can be changed. Repentance for creation itself, for humanity, for the world, can happen. And because of Christmas, because of God coming to earth as Emmanuel, answering that long plea by humanity for action, because of God answering that and coming, we can, together with God, change the world. Look what we have done with the the procurement of a vaccination in the space of nine months. It shows when the world, when humanity puts its mind to it, when it works together, can achieve wonderful, wonderful things. 
Think what more could be done when we commit to working together to change the economics of the world. When we commit to changing the, the food availability in the world. The provision of wider health care. Think what we could do when we decide as a humanity, from the politicians all the way down, to change the dialogue, the conversation that we have within humanity that for too long has been a dialogue of, of, of insult, racism, sectarianism, and, and all, all, all sorts of horrible, nasty stuff. Think what could happen if we just stop and work together and change that whole dialogue of how we converse with people, how we treat people, how we respect all people. I think in this Advent season, we hear the clarion call of an ancient story, of a, of a metaphor for what God is and what God seeks to do. And it invites you and me to join in, to get on the train, to make sure the runway is clear for God's Spirit to do its work by doing what we can to make sure this act of repentance, turning the world upside down, actually is able to happen. Let us pray. Loving God, we add to our prayer as we prepare the way. As we, as we pray for the world, for the people of the world, particularly those who are struggling, not just with COVID, but the struggles of injustice, economy, poverty, and hunger, racism and sectarianism, those who are held back from knowing the kind of life that we desire for ourselves and most of the time experience a life of blessing and peace and love. We know that not all are able to experience that life, and so we pray for the world today. We also take time this morning to pray for individual people in our life, who need a special mention in our hearts. Hear us as we pray for them in silence, recognizing the challenges that they face now or will face in the coming days, and we commit them into your care. Loving God, we thank you for the story of your intervention into human life, for your commitment to us all, a commitment of deep and unconditional love. And we thank you for trusting us so much so that you call us to be an active part of your work in the world. We ask and we pray these things 
in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we go straight to our final hymn, Katrina, uh, with O Little Town of Bethlehem. It's a video. Okay. <laughs> 